and welcome back to the wise gal podcast that's the podcast where i your lovely host and certified wise gal mia anthony talk about all the things under the sun from politics to poetry to whatever the heck this week episode holds guys it's been a minute since i've said that no i know i know and you're probably like where the hell have you been um, I'm gonna get into that. I really am. I promise you. This week, we're only talking about where I've been and the, all of your questions that you had for me in my producer's corner, um, not pertaining to where I've been. I want to put a like massive disclaimer on this episode. I live in Baltimore, a city where people drive like absolute lunatics and where people die like every minute. Not even joking. Like not even being insensitive. It's true. Um so there are multiple times throughout this episode where you hear a ambulance, a car horn, someone yelling at someone. I'm not even close to the road. Like, I'm not even, like, I, it sounds like I'm sitting on, like, a porch, like, I'm outside. I'm not. <laughs> I'm in my house. Um, so I'm really sorry for that. If you hear car noises and sirens, um, I was gonna edit them out, but then I was like, no, uh, the people deserve the most raw because I've been gone for so long <laughs> and I'm so sorry about that. Um, so we are going to get into that. Also, there are, uh, sound problems out the wazoo. I'm using my beautiful pink microphone, um, my Fifine. It's my pride and joy. I love it. Um, and, it's bugging today. It is <laughs> like not doing what it normally should. Um, so, so the sound gets very weird at some points. Um, there's one point where my microphone isn't even picking up anything. So then my uh, default is my computer mic, my crappy processor. It's just bad. So I apologize in advance. Um, like really, genuinely, I'm sorry. Um, but where I've been? Where have I been? So obviously i took a little hiatus and by a little hiatus i mean i promised you guys an episode every single week and that did not happen um this time it was not because i was moving it was because i was virtually uninspired um i just celebrated a year into my podcast uh, around the time of my birthday which was april 29th um and I hadn't put out any content, and I was like, Jesus Christ, like, it's been a minute, um, so yeah, so, little life update, um, I'm freshly 19, I is currently, uh, May 8th, 2021, uh, tomorrow's Mother's Day, I have been fully vaccinated, um, I'm transferring schools, I am completely settled into the home that I was moving into the last time I was talking to you guys, and I have recorded about a gazillion episodes since I last uploaded one. So let me explain. Um, I was in what the beauty influencers like to call a rut. I was completely unmotivated because of a few things. One, a lot of people that I absolutely love and adore um, have recently started to put out podcasts. And for me, instead of my brain being like, hey, uh, that's great. I love these people. They're great people. I love hearing things that they have to say. My brain was like, absolutely not. You don't. These people are coming for you and your listenership and you will now fail as a podcast. Um, so I had to grapple with that thought process for a little bit, but we're back. Um, I still kind of feel that way, you know, as much as I love these people and they're friends of mine, they're people that I willingly surround myself with and I think that are super talented and gorgeous human beings. I wish that their larynx would kind of be like ripped out of their body for a little bit so that I can continue to produce content um, without that insecurity looming over my head. But today's episode, we're all about confronting insecurities, as I will talk about later. Um, and so secondly, um, I, I'm still living in this weird limbo of COVID-19 where I am supposed to be a 19-year-old doing, like, body shots and, like, cup pong in some, like, shady ba basement apartment somewhere. Um, or, like, being offered coke by someone who was, like, 35 and, like, yelling at skinheads in a classroom about why well, my right should exist and turning in biology papers late and failing biology. <laughs> I'm supposed to be doing all of those things, right, because that's what, like, society tells me I should be doing. Um, instead, I am living in a dreamland where I am, like, 35 with two children and this beautiful suburban house that I keep stalking on Zillow. Um, 
But in reality, neither of those things are true because neither of those things can be true because of COVID-19. Still having a great grasp on my life, which means that I do not interact with people outside of my boyfriend, my boyfriend's cat, occasionally my boyfriend's mother, occasionally my own mother, um, and all of the customers at my job, uh, which to me are not real people anymore because... (laughs) If I have not functioned like I was living in a simulation the past few weeks, I don't know what's going on. Um, So, yeah, and none of those things are bad, you know, like I'm not trying to like, this isn't a call for help. I'm fine. Um, It's just weird, you know, like not having a classroom, not having a purpose, not creating anything um, artistic because as many of you know, I am a dancer and an actor and I love that stuff and I'm not writing anymore and like you know, not doing any of that, plus not seeing people that are different than than the five people that I see regularly, um, on top of being in this creative space where nothing exists and nothing matters because COVID-19 is still a thing, it's, you know, hard (laughs) to put stuff out, um, and so I really apologize for that, um, so I'm back though, <laughs> is the thing. I'm here. Um, I'm putting out content. Next week, I will be talking about political commentary again, which is one of my favorite things and you guys' favorite things. And I have big things planned for the podcast. Like the Instagram is going to stop being just like a thing that exists um, because not that many people interact with it. You guys love sending me emails, which is hilarious to me. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna up. I'm gonna revamp the Instagram and hopefully do a photo shoot. And I'm also going to um, upload stuff to YouTube because I have filmed at least ten full-length podcast episodes and full-length YouTube videos that I was going to upload that never saw the light of day. Um, so I'm really gonna get back on that because what else do I have to do with my time? Because I'm not doing anything else. Um, I'm no longer in school because it is virtually summer and uh, I don't have any creative outlet because everything is still shut down. So what's a girl to do besides yell into her beautiful microphone uh, for all hours of the day? Um, so yeah, it is, like I said, it's May 8th. I called out of work today because I felt like crap. Um, not even like physically, just like, just wasn't, just wasn't feeling it. Um, and so I wanted to just talk to you guys and that's where I've been. Um, so weird duality of life aside, I am very happy to be back and I'm very happy to be talking to you on this platform in this specific way because it is therapeutic for me, but I also know that it's therapeutic for you because you guys send me some awful things (laughs) to my email um, or some things that, you know, you just want to flush out and that's great. We can get through this not even year, because now we're in 2021 that we are in, um, you know, COVID-19 is still a thing. Not everybody's vaccinated. People still refuse to get vaccinated. Um, the cicadas are coming, which is the most terrifying thing that is present in my life right now. I wake up in like cold sweat, like not even being dramatic, like my hyperbolic ass of a person aside, I am so terrified of the cicadas that I, they will wake me up out of my sleep and I will sit there and think about them and stare out my window. Um, and right now it's like very cold in the city for some reason. It's, we've had like a cold spell, even though it was super warm the past few weeks. And I at first was like, wow, this is awful because I can't like wear shorts. And like, you know, I like had all these outfits planned for work and stuff like that. And I'm back in sweaters. Um, but then I realized cicadas can't come out of the ground unless the ground is heated to like 64 degrees or something like that. So this is really a blessing because the fact that we are going to have cicadas the size of my cats just like flying around outside near my person on my no can't do it I refuse I refuse if I could choose any time in my life to like willingly be like deleted from reality and come back it would be now because of them um I know you're probably like oh my god yeah uh how did you go through life without like having to interact with cicadas? I do interact with cicadas because every single time I go down to Virginia to visit my mother uh I have cats there who love to bring me cicadas, and I hate it, but those cicadas are smaller. The ones that are going to be near me are huge. They're the size of my face. I'm a small person. Like, terrifying. How people are not, like, losing their minds right now, beyond me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my cicada rant. That is just, it's so fresh on the brain because they're supposed to be coming out of the ground any day now, and someone on my job yesterday, one of my coworkers said that 
a friend of hers snapped a picture of one the other day and I don't even know that that's true but just the thought of that makes me want to crawl into a hole and like hibernate like a bear for like months <laughs> for until summer is over until I have to go back to school um so we'll see if my like crippling fear of cicadas um ends my life <laughs> or at least my job for the next few months because I refuse to go to work. Um, but today I refused to go to work because I just, just couldn't. Um, I felt like crap physically earlier and now I feel a little bit less like crap physically and then I felt like crap mentally. And so I was just like, you know what? Just not going to go. Um, but tomorrow's Mother's Day. So if you're a mother or you have a mother or you know someone that's a mother or you like mothers, happy Mother's Day congratulations if you are a person who has a uterus who was able to have children happy mother's day because you never know not that i'm trying to wish like you know unplanned pregnancies on you but in case you are pregnant and you don't know happy mother's day um i hope you figure out what you're gonna do sometime soon um <laughs> so super long intro aside this week we're only we're really there are no segments i'm just gonna talk about my producer's corner um because i feel like i need to interact with you guys and also i didn't feel like talking about politics today which is a shock i know me me i know um not wanting to talk about politics is a huge thing um but next week's episode, I want to talk about, like, a lot of these hard-hitting concepts, um, like voter fraud and voter suppression and Donald Trump, uh, which, by the way, where is he? Has anyone checked up on him? Is he okay? I've heard nothing. Like, media, like, news outlets have given me absolutely nothing. Zilch. <laughs> like, is he okay? Has someone checked on him? Not that I, like, really care, but, like, I just, I feel like we have focused so much on him the past few weeks, uh, the past few years, that not hearing about where he is and what he's doing at every moment is unsettling. So, someone find out for me. DM me or shoot me an email. Um, but without further ado, I'm just going to jump into the producer's corner so I can stop rambling to you guys, but I've missed you and I just wanted to say that. So without further ado, let's hop on into our producer's corner, um, which is technically the first and only segment of the Wise Gal podcast this week. All right, guys, headed right into my producer's corner. I just recorded this, um, and I didn't like it. And then I recorded the intro again, and I still didn't like it. So here we are, um, doing it again. I'll be just as charismatic as I was the first time. Um, maybe. <laughs> Um, but as always, you guys know that going into my producer's corner, your questions, comments, concerns, and stories are 100% anonymous because I know that people are in your business and I don't want them in your business and that's none of my business. Um, but you can always send your questions, comments, concerns, stories to thewisegalpod at gmail.com email address or thewisegalpod Instagram. You guys love sending it to the email address for some reason, which is strange to me because I have like five email inboxes. Um, and I'm constantly on them and constantly checking them. And I, you know, I would like a break to just DM someone. Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, without further ado, let's just jump into it. My first question that I'm going to answer, which is just one that I thought was so cute because the rest of these are going to be a little bit deep. Um, this person is asking me what movies I've watched recently. Um the first, I'm just going to work, like, backwards. Um, so the most recent movie I watched is the uh, Amanda Seyfried um, horror movie that's on Netflix. Uh, hold on, I have to look it up because I always get the name wrong. Things Heard and Seen. I was going to tell you it was Things Seen and Heard and that's not correct. Um, it was good. I am a person that loves, like, theol theological, if I could say the word, that would be wonderful. Um, I'm a person that loves theological, like, twists and nods, and this one talks a lot about theology and philosophy and biblical studies um, and art and music, and also whoever did the score for this movie was a genius, because the songs were, like, really on the nose without being, like, 
that's really on the nose. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I thought it was great. Amanda Seyfried was great in it. Um, a little bit like a premise without sharing too much. Um, this couple, the husband just got his doctorate and he's going to go teach, um, in like the middle of nowhere, basically this tiny, tiny town. Um, his wife isn't like super happy about it. She struggles with uh, bulimia. Um, so there's like a slight trigger warning on that movie. If you're going to go watch it and you struggle with an eating disorder, um, it, it's not the whole movie. Like, you know, you could very well watch it and like forget that she has bulimia. Um, there's a little bit of gaslighting when it comes to it. So I would be like mindful of that if you are triggered pretty easily, um, if you've dealt with an eating disorder. But um, it's not nearly as bad as some other stuff that I've watched where it's like, okay, like this is a little bit like, you know. Um, so, so if you're someone that's like very easily triggered um, or you think that it's going to send you in the wrong direction if you struggle with an eating disorder, like I would maybe opt out of this one, but it's not noticeable uh, to people who have not struggled with an eating disorder. So I think that it's, it's a good, like easy, it's easier to watch, <laughs> I will say. Um, and it's not the whole movie. It's not her whole personality. So it's fine. Um um, yeah, but this guy, they, like, move to this house, it is obviously haunted, it is raggedy, um, they have this cute, adorable girl named Franny, and I love her, um, but yeah, some weird stuff happens, the house is weird, the husband's weird, it is really about, like, psychology, um, and theology, it's, they talk, we talk a lot about, like, heaven and hell and duality and, like, all this other stuff, which is, like, right up my alley, um, there's not any jump scares in it, at least I don't remember there being it, so if you are not a jump scare horror movie person, um, like I am, whereas, like, I love scary movies, but I hate jump scares, then I definitely recommend this for you, um, there's also a good, like, twist, um, um, the way that things are set up um, is great, but just be mindful if you're coming off of, like, something that's really toxic, like, relationship-wise, not even romantic. There is a lot of, like, uh, blatant toxicity, gaslighting, manipulation, like, uh, uh, adultery even, like, uh, just just not very good um, situation for people that maybe, like, are also triggered by stuff like that. Um it's very entertaining though. I think the writing is pretty good. The ending sucks. It's it's not satisfying in my opinion. Um, and Tanner, who I watched it with, agrees that it is not very satisfying. Um, you really want the person who is the antagonist to like get their comeuppance at the end, and they you know they do, but it's fine. Um, so yeah, I think it was great. Um, the other movie that I recently watched was Mortal Kombat, <laughs> um, because I have a cis hat boyfriend. So it's mandatory. It's part of the job. <laughs> um, it's fine. It's very gory. Um, too, well, I will say there is one specific scene, and it is not plot relevant uh, necessarily. It's a fight scene. Um, I guess it is plot relevant, but like also not, you know, it's fine. They could have done it another way. Um, but if you're a person that's not good with like... Uh, head trauma if you can't watch the final destination movies without like you know wanting to die then maybe this one sit out um it's very quick though the scene that i'm specifically talking about and if you have watched the movie then you know what i'm talking about um you know <laughs> there's some stuff in there um but i thought it was fine i thought the fight scenes were really good um they're very entertaining they're very creative too it reminded me i'm like a, a a sucker for a good john wick movie um because they're ridiculous the fight scenes are are, are great but the plot and the premise and and even and even the fight scenes themselves ridiculous so ridiculous that it's comical um and so, and that's how they're supposed to be. And I feel like that, it gave a very similar vibe, except the characters are obviously, like, not uh, American or British or anything like that. Like, they're all Japanese and Chinese, except for the, like, core fighters that are coming from America. Um, yeah. So, I think if you like kind of the campiness of a John Wick movie with some more camp added onto it, because it's, like, really in tune with the video game and the older movies, um then it, it i think that you would enjoy it if you're not like a campy horror not horror but can be gory kind of person uh definitely not for you if you are a plot person definitely not for you um but yeah i thought it was fine it was it i didn't hate watching it um 
it didn't leave any like the gore wasn't so bad that it left me with like lasting trauma like the last john wick movie where he puts that thing in that dude's eyeball awful still <laughs> still don't like it um there's nothing like that in it um but i'm also really bad with head trauma i don't like it because it is triggering for me um there's a few of those in there so if you're like a head trauma person um just be mindful of that. And then finally, um, I watched the Zack Snyder Cut of Justice League like a while ago. Uh, also, if you're a plot person, not for you. It really lacked. I also wanted better um, for Cyborg. Like, really wanted better for him. Because I feel like we could, we could do so much. Right? We have the technology to do so much. And also the character development, the writing to do so much. And we didn't do that much. Um I'm a DC fan over Marvel in terms of, like, the comics, the original villains. Like, I think that there's so much more character development than Marvel, which is why I love it. Um, also, the superpowers are cool. The day that we get a movie about, like, Ra's al Ghul is the day that I will die. Just, like, my soul will leave my body. Um, so, so I'm, like, a fan of DC. Uh, obviously, DC movies get a super bad rap because they are not produced very well, even though they very well could be because of who owns it. Um, but that's another story for another day. Um, it felt more like a Marvel movie because of the, like, uh, oh, the team doesn't really like each other and we're, like, kind of a ragtaggy kind of group and we have to fight this, like, alien species. That felt very Marvel to me. Um but the lot there are a good amount of like Easter eggy things and like uh the little touch of like Wonder Woman's theme playing every single time she like breathed was great. Um I don't like Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. That's another story for another day. Linda Carter is forever my OG. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but I thought it was fine. It was it was, you know, entertaining. Um I love Henry Cavill, so I will watch virtually anything that he's in. Um and then TV wise, um I've been slowly waking my way through The Magicians. Um, that I will put a massive trigger warning on because I know a lot of people who have either watched The Magicians. I've watched the first two seasons, I'm pretty sure, or like the first season and a half. Um, all the way through when it like first came out. I forgot all about it, to be honest. And so I'm rewatching it slowly but surely because it is painful to get through sometimes. Not because of the content, but because of the writing. Um, the two main characters, if you know the show, Quentin and Alice are awful. <laughs> They're just not great. Um, I think they're very like white savory and like also very toxic and very damaging. And like I wouldn't be sad if the writers just like killed them off at some point during the seasons um but everyone else i love i think the plot is really cool i think the magic aspect of it is really cool because it's not super cheesy um and it deals with like a lot of different practitioners which i find like very interesting how they flush those out um if you don't know the magicians it's about magic um <laughs> It's all of these, like, 20-something uh, grad students that end up, like, in the school for magic, um, except for this one, Gold Julia, and then we find out that these, like, old fantasy books that are really, really um, parallel to, like, Narnia, um, that is real in this universe, and so, like, they have to fight all these beasts and, like, all this other stuff, and it's, like, this greater evil, and, like, it's, it's fine. It's, like, it's adult, though. It is you know, right off the bat, the first few episodes, there's, like, addiction and, like, all this other stuff happening and, like, uh, lots of mention of suicide. Um, my biggest trigger warning, the thing that I would put the biggest one on, though, is the amount of, like, sexual assault trauma. Um, because the one of the main characters, Julia, she goes through a lot. Um, and her, if you are a person who is either triggered by sexual assault or you have been sexually assaulted, I highly recommend looking at the guides that tell you like where those scenes are because they are hard to watch. <laughs> They're very hard to watch and they happen multiple times. Um, and there's, you know, also like pregnancies and abortions and stuff like that in it. And so like, if that's not your jam, um, or if you're good with, like, content that is not super gory, where you don't, like, see everything and hear everything, you will not be good with this, because it was not great, not fun to watch. Um, and I also just wish that we would, like, give this girl uh, a break, <laughs> to be honest. Um, 
But yeah, that's, I've been slowly but surely getting through the magicians. Just like I said, sometimes it's just like a little painful to get through. Um, I recently finished Sex in the City, but I will do like a full segment on that because uh, there's so many things wrong with the show, obviously. Um, but it, it, it just, I have some thoughts on that. So yeah, that's what I've been watching recently. Um let me see what else you guys are asking me. Someone asks me what city living is like. It's been great. Um, to highlight that, I've highlighted some things that I've seen just in the past week um, that really give you an indication of what living in the greater Baltimore County is like, not even the city, because a lot of these things happened in Towson. Um the first one starting off really cool. Uh, someone brought parrots into my store, just like two talking parrots. Uh, they were just hanging out, <laughs> climbing on things and shit. Um, then uh, the next thing is uh, also happened in my store uh, or in the I work in a mall setting. Um, there was a car on fire in the parking lot, just like fully on flames. They did not evacuate the mall, duh, because why would we give up business uh, for literal arson? <laughs> so that happened. Uh, the fire department came, didn't even block off like all the exits, just just took care of it while everyone was still in the mall. Um, I guess it was relatively contained, but it's just so strange to me that we kept people in the mall. I don't know. Um, didn't even know like where on the level it was. Like we didn't even get emails. It was just, it was just a strange situation. Um, then uh, the Cinemark down the street from the mall that I work had a bomb threat and they recently opened like a week ago. It hadn't even been like a few days and there was already a bomb threat, which was great. Um, <laughs> then again in my store, a uh, little boy asked me if I was the same girl that is always in his dad's TV that his mom doesn't like. Um, do with that information what you will. Really wanted to ask him how his home life is, but none of my business. <laughs> so there's that. Um, there is a man in a sparkly suit that is very pristine who wears no pants and has a cane that walks up and down um, a few blocks away from me. And he looks to be completely sound of mind. Like, that is a choice that he is doing uh, without assistance from, like, people in his head or medication. <laughs> um, and so... I love that for him. I think it's great. Um, there was also a homeless man that uh, yelled to me and any other car they could hear the other day that they are all watching us and not telling us anything and that they're all lying to us. And I don't who know who they are in specific or what they are not telling us, um, but I agreed with him. <laughs> so that was this week. Um and then let's see i but aside from i mean city living is great i love it i um i was explaining in my other producer's corner that i recorded like 30 minutes ago that um the idea of like suburbia and like farm life is very attractive to me but i just don't think i could do it past like a few days like i love the idea of like raising my kids on like a butt ton of land with like some cows and some chickens and some pigs and some horses and I wouldn't eat any of them because I would be emotionally attached to them um <laughs> but and I don't eat eggs so like the, the reason my reason for having chickens is like absolutely not necessary um but then I would get very tired of like doing the farm chores um within the first day <laughs> so probably not gonna happen for me um, also love the idea of like living in a suburb with like a beautiful garden and like also some land and like bacon cookies for my neighbor, but um, nothing is as good as getting a latte and like bougie food uh, made by hipsters with handlebar mustaches that we unfortunately can't see right now. Um, and like having someone mansplain craft cocktails to you and seeing a crackhead at seven o'clock in the morning and like all of those things um, that make uh, living in the city so great. Wouldn't change that for the world. Um, I love it so much that I am moving schools <laughs> to go be with that. Um, which brings me into my next question, which is, uh, how are you doing in school during the past few months? Um, I will tell you, I'm doing so great that I've decided to transfer. Um, so I 
talked about my school situation and going to school during a pandemic uh, many episodes ago. Like, before um, I went on my giant hiatus. Uh, And since then, a lot has changed. I have moved, obviously. I'm living in Baltimore, um, and my school is, if you know anything about Maryland geography, um, an hour and a half away because it is on the other side of the Eastern Shore. It is on the other side of the Bay Bridge. Um, And I I haven't seen it since before I was admitted. Um, or before, or right after I was admitted, I guessed. Um, but I haven't seen it before I, like, you know, (laughs) had started first semester of college. Um, and so, uh, I was already disconnected from my school. I was in all of these things. I, um, was writing for the collegiate paper and it was in the dance team and I was in Model UN. I was doing all this stuff. Didn't love it though absolutely did not and if any of you know me you know that my schooling experience has never been normal because I moved around a ton when I was in elementary school and I um, when I moved to Maryland I was immediately put in remedial math class because California schools are absolute crap and I already don't have a brain for math um and but then I was a gifted kid because I was so skilled in every other subject and then um I went to high school and or went to middle school and I was in an IB middle school, um, which was like the huge prestigious international baccalaureate program, but it was the first one at that school in the first year. And so I was a guinea pig for three years. Um, and again, I was really strong in subjects, some subjects and like not great in others. And, um, just the process of going through that was also strange because it was on a military base and if you've ever been to school on a military base you know that there's a huge cast of characters and if you are not from military it's very strange um and so it was just like weird to do that um and then I went to high school and I went to an international baccalaureate high school as well and so I was admitted into that program and then I got in my accident and um was out of school for like the majority of all of my years like uh, I think the most time I ever spent in school is my sophomore year um, and even then I was only in school for like 100 days which is not a lot <laughs> um, and so my schooling experience has never been normal um, and so like just as a joke <laughs> um, a few months ago I was like oh well you know I'm close to all my resources here um, I have friends here and my job is here and I recently became pretty much fully financially independent um aside from like the bigger stuff like my phone bill and my insurance and all that other stuff um because of COVID-19 and so um I was distanced from my mother and I have my resources here but if I went to school in the eastern shore I would be both distanced from my mother and my resources here um and so and my doctors are here and I you know really need to figure out the stuff that's going on with my health because as a person who is neurodivergent and as a person who um has dealt with issues with her uterus like those are things that are like you need to take a couple of stabs at a doctor before you figure out and fully flush out the things that are wrong with you um and so i've been like back on my like seeing all my specialists and all that kind of stuff like getting those appointments in and on the eastern shore on in kent county there's absolutely no one (laughs) um and finding a job is also a big thing because i am not able to afford school just like on my own without taking out a bazillion loans and i don't don't want to be in debt to the United States government more than I have to be. Um, And so it just seemed like a smart decision to change schools, um, which was a decision that was ultimately very terrifying, but very easy. Because as soon as I put it out in the universe, it was like, just the idea of changing schools, it was like, here are all the flushed out, laid out steps to get there. Um, So I got there. I was ranting to Tanner about how I didn't know what I wanted to do and I was so tired of my college because they had screwed me over and I didn't feel connected to the school and like you know I I did good in terms of my grades last semester but I like didn't give a shit like I do did not care this semester especially with working and especially with having like a support system um 
and so I was just like, I don't know what I want to do. Like, if I move schools, then I'm losing the the prestige of the school that I go to for another school that is in the same conference, but, like, you know, has a rap for being this, like, you know, kind of, like, looser liberal arts college. And he's like, that's the kind of person you are. And, like, I just couldn't, like, wrap my head around it. And so uh, him being tired of me uh, complaining <laughs> and ranting and racking my brain um, was just like, why don't you just apply and then, f- like, uh figure it out after you get in because that's a while from now you won't get your decision until summer (laughs) right um and then whoever does the admissions and whoever was working for usps that day just must have had something in them because the following day basically i got my acceptance letter in the mail i had been given a scholarship um that equates to the one that i have in my current institution and so i was just like Obviously, this is the way to go, but when something like that happens, it's terrifying because you don't have time to, like, think about things, and so I didn't think about things. <laughs> um, I chose to ignore it, and then I sat on it, and then I finally just paid my deposit, and I have chosen to transfer, um, and that lifted a good weight off my shoulders because then I decided that I didn't have to care as much as I do about the school because I that I'm currently still enrolled in because I wanted to care so bad about my professors and the content that I was learning and the clubs that I was a part of. And I just couldn't, it's exhausting to care so much about something that does not care about you. Um, or, or you're not even connected to anymore. Um, and so I ended up just being like, cool, I've paid my deposit. This is where I'm going to be. It really does not matter as long as my grades are, like, above a certain point of what they transfer into. You know, they've already seen that I've made the dean's list. Like, it's just easier. And so uh, now I've just been writing it out. Like, (laughs) there is no um, real consequence um, anymore because it was that easy for me to transfer and to change my uh, just to pivot and now I can major in something that I want to major in and I have access to my relationship and my friends and um, my resources like my family my grandparents and um, my mom finally gets to see the city in a light that is better than Baltimore is one of the most homicidal cities in the world Um, and so it's really cool it's a good direction that I'm in Um, it's still not like great obviously because school is online and I won't be able to um really experience college and that camaraderie again until the fall uh but we're just writing it out until then (laughs) um so that is how school has been going for me and to answer this person's question um and then just a follow-up question was my major in school um at washington college i was a political science major with a uh, communications minor um but also a concentration in peace conflict studies which sounds like a lot but it's really not that in like it's it's fine um the thing about tiny liberal arts colleges is that you can double major and minor and it's like uh, not even any skin off your back because um, the courses are built very different. Um, and then at uh, the school that I will be going to, I will be majoring in international studies and political science with a minor in communications or a minor in dance, uh, depending on how things go for me. Um, so yeah, and ultimately what I want to do with that is work as a diplomat or for the United Nations, um, specifically in like war negotiations, <laughs> which is fun. Um, or I would run for office in the States, but um, I've considered a lot moving to Canada in the past few weeks um, after grad school, undergrad. So we'll see. <laughs> we will see. Um, but yeah. All right, the next question is, um, how are you dealing with neurodivergency in your school environment? We're talking a lot about school, but I'm going to talk about neurodivergency in its entirety, um, just how it impacts me, um, just not even in school, because I think that it's uh, something that not a lot of people talk about. Um and I would like to talk about um, you know th- the small things that I think people just don't understand. Um, so I 
do not have a neurodivergent brain like I have ADHD or ADHD. Um, did I just say ADHD or ADHD? ADD or ADHD. Obviously, you can see that coming out now. Um, but I suffered a traumatic brain injury, and so that left some lasting effects. But I also think that these are things that I just had as a child um, that no one really talks about. Um, and I think a lot more people experience that do not have things like ADD or ADHD, which is which are the most, or like autism or who are on the spectrum. Um, those are the most popular forms of neurodivergent people. Um, and I think that there are a lot of people that are do not fit into those categories that also suffer, um, who don't feel like they can say something because they do not fit into those categories. And you can't self-diagnose yourself either. Um, but for me. I have always had issues with um, just certain, like, textures, sounds, social situations, um, comprehending things, um, and I didn't realize that that was just, like, the way that my brain works because I it's frustrating to assume that because we live in such a neurotypical world, I'm supposed to understand everything the same way that everyone else does. And when I realized that that is not true, it was a huge boulder off my shoulder because not everybody thinks the same, which is something that you might be like, duh. But for me, I was told that everybody thinks the same, so I should be thinking like these other people. So when I wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't understand things and then people would be like, this is strange because you're a smart person. And I had to be like, I know. Um, and it's not because I am stupid or not willing to put in the work. It is literally because my brain is different. Um, and I think a lot of people suffer from that. Uh, like I said, who were not technically diagnosed with these uh, big marker neurodivergent traits like ADHD or ADD or autism. Um, and so for me, the, the things with texture and understanding things and social situations and processing things, because for me, processing things is very different. Um, also echoed by the fact that I had my traumatic brain injury, so I have episodes where my brain will literally just not work, shut down, it betrays my body, it tricks my body into thinking that I'm sick, that I'm ill, that I'm in pain, like, stuff like that, which isn't necessarily a trait of being neurodivergent in, like, the uh, function mentally sense that we equate to autism and ADHD, um, but there's a spectrum of stuff. It's literally just when your brain is different. Um, and I think that there is a huge population of people, obviously, that are neurotypical because we are their their world is built <laughs> right for us, for everyone else to live in. Um, we are living in the neurotypical world just like we live in the uh, straight white man's world. Um, and so I think that for people that are neurodivergent or who may have an inkling that they're neurodivergent, I don't think that you need to like run to a professional to get it checked out unless it's something that you want to do. I think that you really need to sit down and be like, what are the things that I do that are different from other people? And not like a pick me kind of way. Like I'm not like other girls because I do X, Y, and Z. If they're very common, they're very common. Um, but like just I know a lot of people that are like, I just struggle with this, understanding this concept. I just struggle with understanding things. I struggle with conversations. I struggle with whatever. I have this innate sense of anxiety and when I'm around populations of people and it's not because I have anxiety, it's because of this. Those are signs that your brain just doesn't work <laughs> the same as some other people's do. Um, and so for me, realizing that um, it has been wonderful. Because it's very freeing to be like, I'm not stupid. I just don't think the same. Um, and I think a lot of people need to hear that. And so now for me, what's frustrating is explaining to people like my partner or like friends of mine or like a professor is that like, I, j I just don't, I just can't do certain things this way. Um, and I would like to see at the end of the day, people <laughs> be able to fully flesh out 
you know, conversations, especially in their work environment and their school environment of like, I don't understand things like this, or I can't do this today, or I can't do this like this because my brain will not let me. Instead of you are lazy, you are stupid, you just don't want to, you don't want to put in the work, all this other stuff, because that's what I've been told forever. And the biggest thing for me is how exhausting school environments are for my brain. And it's not because I don't like school or I don't want to put in the work because I love academia. It is a big part of who I am. But when I would have, when I would come off of these huge episodes after having my um, accident where like I was essentially uh, nothing for a few days, like I wasn't able to like speak correctly and like couldn't really keep certain, you know, whatever, my my body was betraying me because of my brain um that was an impact of a concussion obviously but when I would come off of these I would be so exhausted just like existing in school with the hustle and bustle and I went to a school of 3,000 children right with the hustle and bustle of people and with a different concept being introduced every hour and a half and not understanding one concept and your brain just kind of like shuts down from there um so I would miss a day after that And I would kind of be, like, fine in terms of my physical, but I would be mentally exhausted to the point where my brain would not compute things. And teachers would be frustrated with that because they would think that I didn't want to put in the work or that I was faking it or that it couldn't possibly be a thing. Because neurodivergency, in a lot of ways, is an invisible illness. Um, And so for me, that was, like, a constant thing that I struggled with. And even now, in my workspace, I constantly, I mean, it's different because you're getting paid and it's corporate America and all this other stuff. But there are a lot of days where I go into work and I'm just like, my, it's not working for me. Like, I can't do it. My brain is not functioning the same. Or when people talk to me in a certain way, um that makes sense for their brain but doesn't make sense for my brain and I can't figure it out it is frustrating and I can't just run to my boss and be like hey my brain doesn't think this way because what are they supposed to say to me right um and so if you are a neurodivergent person or you think that you may be or you struggle with things like that and you don't even want to like categorize yourself as one thing or another, I hear you and I see you and it's frustrating and I'm sorry that you have to deal with it. And I'm not sorry that you have to deal with it because it's a part of you. I'm sorry that other people are not sensitive to that um, and that other people aren't patient with you because of it. Because someone being patient with you because of stuff like that is the difference between you being able to succeed in your environment and completely giving up. Um, And so to all of my neurodivergent people out there, and especially the person that asked me this question, I love you so much because it's hard. (laughs) And it's not hard because of you, because the way that your brain works is perfectly normal and it's perfectly fine and you're killing it. It's hard because other people don't understand that. Um, And it's even worse when it's coming from your educators and your employers and your partners and your friends and your family members, because those are the people that you're in contact with most, right? Like the people that I spend the most time with, my boyfriend, my boss. Um, And so, and he is neurodivergent in his own sense that he has like, you know, (laughs) certain ADD and ADHD traits that we are trying to get diagnosed and that he cannot focus on things for long periods of time. And so I understand that. And so that is always a point of contention because my brain works differently. Um, But we work on that. You can't necessarily work on that with your boss all the time or if you are with your parents and they just don't understand or in certain subjects, subjects, sorry, that you're learning. Um, And so I think that having someone as a point of contact that thinks like you or even thinks differently than other people is incredibly important um so to the rest of this person's email i would just say like really try and find people better um when you click with someone because you understand them that is probably a sign that their brain works more similarly to yours hold on to those people because they're precious (laughs) um and um she also talks about more uh, like just thinking that you're stupid and you're not stupid. <laughs> um, I promise you, you're not stupid. I am. Uh, I have narrowly skated by in school because I am a smart person, but my brain doesn't work the same as other people. Um, and I have a lot of people who have 
blatantly outright said that I am smart in some ways, um, but act stupid in others. And I don't mean that by like my physical action, but the way that I am communicating sometimes or the way that I don't understand things. Um, just you're not stupid. It's just, it's literally just the way that your brain works. And it probably means, honestly, that you are smarter than most people because you have figured out how to navigate your brain being different in a world that wants everybody's brains to be the same. (laughs) So you're a superhero for that. Um, And I really appreciate you for doing the hard work and existing so that other people are comfortable, (laughs) which is something that I can say about a lot of people who are just different (laughs) from the mainstream. Um, But yeah, and if you have a person in your life who does not understand that that about you and you kind of know that they have an inkling about what's going on, send this excerpt of this podcast to them because not everybody understands that. And I think that I put put it in a way that was the most digestible for most people. Um, so yeah, that's, that is me on dealing with neurodivergency in my life. Um, it's hard. It's incredibly frustrating sometimes. And I think that I'm stupid all the time. Then I have to remind myself, that's not true. I'm actually a very smart person. Um, and I'm a very capable person. It's just that things aren't built for me like they're built for other people. Um, and that's cool. That's cool but you got to give yourself a break um, if you can't just like fit the mold of, of learning things and dealing with things and, and having conversations about things like other people do. Um, so yeah, um, taking a break from school to talk about you guys' drama um, because <laughs> some of my favorite things on the earth. Um, So this first one, starting off strong, my partner is paying for OnlyFans and I hate it. What should I do? Um, This person goes into like more and more detail about like what specifically they're watching and how that person does not look like them. Um, If you are someone who does not know what OnlyFans is, I would like to keep my explicit rating like off. (laughs) for this episode so it reaches more people but I feel that it is um important to me to like talk about this because I haven't really talked about stuff like this on this podcast before um and I do think that it's something that's helpful to like start a dialogue about um I just watched this um documentary like not even documentary it's just like a quick 20 30 minute youtube video um from merle o'neill um she's like this she's most famous for like being vegan and working for buzzfeed um but she just did a um she's she's going through this like sexual exploration for like for viewers um specifically through like the female gaze um for girls and non-binary people who feel repressed um and i just watched her like exploration of the porn industry and it really opened my eyes to so many things and i think that it is um important for a lot of people to watch even if you don't come away from it feeling the same way that she did where she completely hated it before and now she has like embraced it um i don't know if you like need to do that but i think a lot of people villainize it and i was a person that really villainized it um not like necessarily the consumers but just the industry because it is very like anti-women and it's very misogynistic and i thought that trafficking happened through it Um, and then I found out that most trafficking comes from agricultural industries, which is, like, absolutely terrifying and shocking. Um, but the porn industry isn't even on the human trafficking list, even for sex trafficking. Um, so that helped me a little bit, like, grapple with, like, people that consume porn. But I think that on the, the relationship, like, interpersonal level, I can understand why you hate it, right? Because you're with your partner and they are watching other people's bodies who are not yours and especially if they look so different from you and that is uh either a category or the content is something that is so repeated in their history and they're paying for it and it's not you um 
it can be really that's like really insecurity inducing like i understand that um I don't even know <laughs> what I would do in that situation because it takes a lot as like a female person and female presenting people to um, coexist in like the world with having your own sexuality and being sex positive and not appearing a certain way um, to other people or being conscious of what people think of you. Uh, because if you're a really sex positive person then you're obviously a whore and you deserve no respect. If you're not a sex positive person, then you're a prude and you deserve no respect. So like, where are we supposed to go? Right. Um, and even then we're worried about what other people think of us and not like our own life and body and satisfaction. And if you are, um, person that is in a sexual relationship or not like you are still constantly thinking about that and people that are virgins there's a lot of pressure there so like there's no win-win situation for women and non-binary uh, or female presenting people um so you constantly have to worry about that right whereas for men like even gay men in the, in the lgbtqia community like um you it's built for you uh, ultimately because we had uh movie theaters for men that was that were dedicated to softcore born and we were we had the hugh hefner was was a was an icon for the stuff that he did with playboy mansion and so it's built for you it's built for the male gaze it is always going to be more misogynistic and more aggressive and stuff like that and so like <laughs> you know I, there's a lot of negative feelings there and a lot of negative connotations there for this person in particular i'm going to say two things one i think understand why you don't like it because if it's an insecurity thing or if you suspect that it is reflective of this person's true feelings um or if you know this person has a history of something and like that is something that's concerning to you like that is separate than feeling gross about their consumption so I think that you should figure out like which one it is um, because if it's like you don't feel great about the consumption, um, there's not a lot you can do there aside from put down a hard line boundary of I don't want to date people that consume content like this um, or confront them or let it happen uh because i would i don't know their side of the story and i don't want to tell you to tell this person to change because you don't like it um not that i'm not sympathetic to you because like i said i like it's very easy for me to talk about this because <laughs> i'm not in your shoes and i'm not having to i don't deal with that on a daily basis um on the other hand i would also ask you like what is your personal perception of the industry and especially with only fans because for me i feel so much better about only fans than i do like websites um not like actual pornography websites versus like only fans where it is not industry controlled um i feel better about that because for me i'm like get your bag like like you are in control of the content that you're putting out and your money and it's not like a moochie kind of company at least not like some other uh big industry controlled websites are um and it makes it also makes me happier because it's real people and real scenarios and um true markers of consent and a lot of the time sorry for the massive siren in the background um a lot of the time it is uh, solo girls getting their solo bag from this content and for me as someone who is very pro rights for sex workers that is better than industry controlled websites um so I think that you should also think about that and, and also, like, really get to the bottom of, like, where you stand on things. Um, because I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that it's a deal breaker in relationships. Um, because if you just don't want to deal with it and it makes you feel like crap, like, it, it makes you feel like crap, you know? Um and the but but on the other hand like i'm i'm not as quick to villainize people because of like i said the video that i um saw with uh merlo shea where she was just like doing a deep dive um into the industry and it's very educational and it's like fine you know for like younger people to like watch because it's not super explicit or whatever um yeah i don't know i just it's 
can't even um, really give you advice because I would react differently to different situations for different people depending on who I was. Um, and so I think that you really need to just analyze, like, is this one, is this a deal breaker for me? And like, why do I feel like this? And like, how do I feel about my own consumption of you, like, consume the content and like, why it's different? Because it is different for a lot of women, um, for like, than their male partners, because <laughs> a lot of the time you're not focused on the people, I guess, whereas for men, the viewership is very different. It's just, it's just different. And so... I don't know. I just, <laughs> that one, I mean, I'm really happy that you asked me the question because I would love to like get a like legitimate dialogue going on about it because um, I think it's really important, but I can't give you a flat out answer without more information. <laughs> um, so my only advice is just to like literally just think about it. Um, not to the point where it makes you upset because I don't want you to like, you know, rack your brain and have all these assumptions. Um, so I think that you should think about it and also maybe talk to, uh, your boyfriend about it because, um, you could be assuming that he is, you know, only likes this person and, and, uh, this type of sexual contact and, that is not what you want so you are in turn an awful person and you are not what they want because I don't know if that's true and I don't think that that's true um and for a lot of people it's an escape it's a fantasy it's something that they would never do in real life it is uh the obscene part of their brain that they really just need to like scratch which is fine um it's it's the same level of serotonin that you get from reading like uh fantasy uh like Harry Potter, you know? So if that's the case for your partner, like it's not, you know, is it that big of a deal? Like, does that still make you feel gross? I don't know. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I would love follow up if you could, if you feel comfortable, <laughs> I'd love to know more. Um, but yeah, that's all I have to say about that. I'm definitely going to put an explicit label on this. I tried. Sorry. Um, the next question also has to deal with dating and it is my opinion on dating apps. Um, I love that they exist. I think that's like um when I was growing up it was like match.com and like farmers only and Christian Mingle and stuff like that but I think that having like tinder and bumble and uh what's the other one hinge um those are great I think that you know I've recently learned the story of bumble and how uh she was the girlfriend of one of the co-creators of tinder and then he sexually assaulted her um after she like refused to have sex with him or something like that and so um which I will link I'll try and find like the, the articles for that below so she parted from him uh and decided to launch Bumble and she took what she learned from Tinder but she made it better because if you don't know on Bumble and in, in the like heterosexual relationship uh, category the girls message first um which I think is a genius idea because if you have ever had a tinder or like know someone that was on tinder the messages and the pictures that you get are horrifying um if you are a girl <laughs> and so i think with having bumble like you can really set the tone um the reporting process is a lot easier and you have prompts and just like the interface i think looks nicer um and the fact that you can put like your hobbies in there and who you voted for and if you're vaccinated and like what you're comfortable with during the covid 19 pandemic because you can from what i understand like you can put if you are comfortable with meeting people face to face or not um like all the levels that you're comfortable with in terms of like physical contact during covid which is genius and i know that tinder definitely doesn't have that um because tinder for the most part at least in like the college scene which is what i am in um like living vicariously through friends up now because i am in <laughs> a serious relationship is that it is def it it definitely uh contributes more to hookup culture which is cool if that's what you're looking for but with bumble i think it's better because you can you can straight up be like i am looking for a hookup or i'm looking for a serious relationship i'm looking for marriage i want to have kids like that stuff is incredible and i know a lot more people that have gotten into relationships because of bumble than people that have gotten into relationships because of tinder i know a lot more people that have gotten hookups from tinder um so i think that it's just what you're looking for i don't want to villainize tinder except for like the creator obviously because he is a douchebag um but in terms of like practicality and um use during covid is cool i don't know like that much about the founding of hinge um 
sorry if you guys can hear my honking outside of my window. Um, this mic has pretty good range, so I hope you couldn't hear, like, all the craziness that's happening outside. But um, I don't know that much about Hinge except for the fact that you have, like, the prompts, um, which I think is really cool. And anyone can message first and they can, like, reply to your pictures. Um, I don't know what, like, I, I don't know anyone that's, like, using dating apps in my, like, immediate circle right now. Um, for anything that are not hookups, so I haven't seen the interfaces in a really long time. Um, but yeah, I think they're genius, and I think that you can get a lot from them, and I think that it, there's still, like, a stigma around, uh, using dating apps, especially from, like, people that are older, because they're horror stories, obviously, with, e with everything, sorry, um, that, you know, girls go missing, people get kidnapped, um, but I do want to point out that those are not any more popular than people going on dates the old-fashioned way and getting murdered and kidnapped. Um, so that's just like a, a, a men thing that we have to figure out. Um, so I wouldn't like let that deter you. Um, I do, my piece of advice for people that are using dating apps right now um, is even if you're going over there to hook up, if you're meeting with someone to hook up, um, do a FaceTime date beforehand because that you can get the vibe of the person um, and it also gives you a chance to talk about like your boundaries face to face um, not even like contact like physical contact boundaries like the way that people are touching you but also like what you're comfortable with in a COVID world where not everybody is fully vaccinated or fully inoculated yet um, so I think that getting the vibe of a person and FaceTiming them and like even doing a little Facebook stock, uh, those are all things that I would recommend doing before like physically meeting people just so everyone stays safe. Um, and also being mindful of like the fact that it is the COVID-19 world and maybe you want to check out someone's vaccination card before you go over um, to meet them or anything like that. So, so yeah, I'm all here for it. Um, as long as people are being safe and like not creepy and, you know, enjoying their time. I think it's great. Um, I also think it's cool that you can like talk to people that are like in other countries. I think that it's going to match more people than, or maybe just the same as uh, doing things the old fashioned way. But I'm, I'm for people that also have social anxiety, I think that that's great because you can just not talk to them, you know, <laughs> it's really easy. Um, so yeah, so that's how I feel about my, that's, that is my mention on dating apps. Um, I think they're cool. They have my seal of approval as long as people are using them responsibly. 